Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in to listen. Today, we're putting forth a question. How interested are you in knowing the Scriptures? If you listen through this podcast, at some point in time, I'm going to have a question, and I hope you will give me some feedback on that question. But the question of the podcast in general is for you to answer for yourself. So we're going to look at some scriptures, and the scriptures are going to help guide us in the navigation of our own individual thought process and priorities. When we look back in the Old Testament, there were people of Israel, and they were known as God's people. You know, in Deuteronomy 14.2, says, Thou art holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people in himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Now, we know that that has changed under the new covenant of Jesus Christ. We know that all men, Jew and Gentile alike, can be God's people and that the kingdom is not earthly. It is uh, heavenly. It's not of this world, John 18, 36. Uh, so that has changed. But this is for illustration's purpose. The children of Israel, being God's holy people, did not want to hear his word. In Zechariah chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, it says, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother, and oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor, and let none of you imagine evil against his brother in your heart. But they refused to hearken, and pulled away the shoulder, and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law, and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it came to pass that as he cried, and they would not hear. So they cried, and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations whom they knew not." Thus the land was desolate after them, that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Think about what happened among God's people. The messengers of God came and preached, but they refused to listen. They pulled away the shoulder. Think about that, you know, just imagine that in your heart, the imagery that the Lord puts forth there through the prophet. They stopped their ears that they would not hear. I've seen this literally happen when I was preaching in 1999 in Christiansburg, Virginia, there was a wealthy man in the congregation and he was in sin and, and, and he was part of a problem within the congregation. And I was addressing that problem repeatedly every first day of the week. And the man got to the point where he brought in earphones. And when I got up to speak, he put on the earphones. Folks, that is literally stopping their ears, right? So this is the way that it was among God's people at that time. What do you think about that? To, to, to hear, this is God's people, but they're not listening. And it had long been that way. It had become a custom, so to speak. In Zechariah chapter 1, and verse 4, just backing up to the beginning of, of that prophet's letter, says, Be ye not as your fathers, unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord hers, turn you now from your evil ways and from your evil doings. But they did not hear 
nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Now listen, people get image, images in their mind that are sometimes incorrect. Um, I gave you the image of the wealthy man, okay? When I got up to preach, he put his ear... But listen, he was still there. He still came to services. And a lot of people did not see a problem with him. They said, well, at least he's here, or this or that. The man said, no, I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> you know, he was doing things to agitate me, so to speak. What he didn't realize is he was rebelling against God. He wasn't rebelling against me. But among God's people of old, even though they had stopped their ears and they weren't listening to what God says, that's the imagery that's put forth there, they were still going through the outward physical motions. And Jeremiah 7, 10, 11, they came and stood before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we're delivered to do all these abominations. And this house, which called my name, become a den of robbers and yours. Behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. When, when people think of someone that has fallen away, they think they're no longer assembling. They're no longer going through the actions. No, the fact is there's dead people in the assembly very often, okay? Think about the days of Ju Jesus with Judas. Judas walked with Jesus and nobody knew except for our Lord that he was going to betray him. The outward signs were that he was one of the disciples. They didn't know that he was a thief. He was, John 12 teaches us that. And he had the money bag and was taking from it. Uh, they didn't know these things. He looked the part. Apostate Christians very often look the part. And there have been times where I could smell them. I hate to put it that way. But they have a foul, wretched, wretched stink to them of, I don't care what the Lord has to say. You know, when you're, when you're preaching, you get to see body language. Um, and, and it's unmistakable. You could tell at times that there are people that that basically have the when are you done talking mentality. Uh, I've got better things to do. The, you, you, you see things, right? Now, when addressing it to those individuals, they'll say, no, 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 nothing. I, I just have a headache or, or this is the case. Yeah, whatever. Eventually, they end up down the road coming out. And, and you see it. I've seen it countless times. Uh, but these people are still present, okay? And for others that are observing, they don't necessarily pick up on the fact that those folks are physically present, but they have stopped their ears. Nothing obvious, sinful is going on, but they don't realize they've stopped their ears. Within, there's a I will not attitude. Think about Israel of old, Jeremiah 6, 16 and 17. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way and walk therein? You should find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Also, I set a watchman over you saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Let me ask you this question. How interested were those people in what God had to say? They weren't, were they? because they had already decided, I'm not going to do it. Though they were physically hearing, it wasn't going to the heart and taking action. How do you feel about Israel when you hear how they were reacting to our Creator? How do you feel about that? Isn't it agitating? You're God's people and you're not listening? What about self-examination here? You know, in Romans 2, 3, context dealing with hypocrisy, 
Thinkest thou, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? Could you be possibly looking at Israel and say, how dare they while you're doing the same thing? So let's test ourselves. How often do you listen to God? And how interested are you in knowing the scriptures? Let me ask you a question. How long of a sermon is too long for you? If it were possible to assemble every day with Christians to study the word of God, would you do it? If it were possible, would you do it? Or are you too busy? Do you have other things going on in life? Ask yourself, how interested are you in these things? And, and, then, and then test that, okay? How long can you th sit through a game? You know, it's football season right now. Maybe you are or are not a football fan. Maybe you like movies. Maybe you like TV shows. Maybe you're a binge watcher. You know, that's, that's a phrase that didn't exist prior to being able to stream television shows on a regular basis. But let's say, say whatever streaming service that, that's out there that you may use, that your favorite television show is now available and there's this many seasons. If, if you could... Just the same way that I'm, I phrased the earlier question. If you could assemble with the saints daily, would you? Now, that's meaning if you could. I'm not saying that that's possible for everybody. It's just a question. And it's one of self-examination. Now, to the other side. If you could watch your favorite show, your favorite sport, Whatever it is that you find to be entertaining, maybe it's not television at all, maybe it's not the radio at all, maybe it's fishing. If you could spend this many hours fishing, what is it that you really, really like to do? What, what is it that you just love doing? If you could do that all day long, would you do it? Then come back to, do you have that same response when it comes to, to learning the scriptures. If you could, would you? How long of, a, uh, of your favorite thing can you sit through? And I'll just use movies as an illustration. Now listen, those of you that may be dishonest, you're going to say, oh, I don't like movies. It's just an illustration. You fill in the blank here, okay? Whatever it is your favorite thing to do, I'm just going to use movie as an illustration. If you went to a movie, you paid whatever it costs to go to movies nowadays, to see your favorite film, whatever it is, and, and then you fill in the blank. Maybe it's not a movie. Maybe you hate movies. Maybe you're like me and you don't like movie theaters. I don't like, I don't even like movie theaters. But it's just an illustration. That movie comes to a conclusion and the credits start to roll. How many times would you say, man, I want more. I hope there's part two. I hope there's part three. Think about people with the Star Wars. And again, it's just an illustration. Me personally, Disney has killed Star Wars. I, I, I liked the movies in the past, but now it's like there's, I don't even know how many Star Wars things there are now. But it's like they have just, for me, I'm, I'm not interested like I used to be. But when, when the new movie came out years ago, I was, I was excited. We, we didn't go to the theater to watch it, but as soon as it came out, I wanted to see it on DVD back, back in the day, right? whatever it could be. Now they burn it out. So I know every, every illustration has some flaw to it. It's just that. It's just an illustration. You want to see part two. Do you feel the same way about the scriptures? Take, for example, 
the sermon series that I'm doing right now on First Peter. If you're listening to it uh, on Sundays, uh, and and we wrap up uh, that lesson, are you looking forward to digging into the scriptures for the next one? Your own personal Bible studies, whatever it is you're studying. I hope you're studying something. Are you looking forward to the next opportunity you have to sit down? Now, let me come at it another another way of thought. Imagine a young couple is dating and the courting part is happening. However, that may be culturally for you. I know people all over the world are listening to this. And one, one, one party of the couple looks at the other party of the couple and says, I wish I could spend every day with you. And the response from the other person was, well, we have a date night. It's two hours a week. That's enough for me. What would you say the interest level is in that person for the other? Two hours is enough for me. I know when I was dating my wife, when I was courting, I hated having to drop her off. I, I still say it to this day. My favorite thing about marriage is that I don't have to say goodbye at the end of the day. I can just say goodnight as I lay next to my lovely bride. I want to spend as many hours as I can with my wife. I love her. I love her company. She is my best friend. That's not changed for me, even though we have been married for 28 years. We've been together for 30 years, and I just, just love it. I'm just so excited. Whatever state she's in, I always tell young people, if you're going to get married to somebody, don't just let it be physical attraction. What if you got in an accident? If you listen to the podcast that my son and I, Trey and I did together, you get in an accident uh, right after you get married and before you even get to go to bed with, with this individual that you've just caught up in and that person becomes a paraplegic, are you okay with spending the rest of your physical life with them? I'm cool with that if that's my wife, Katrina. I will carry her to bed. I will carry her to the toilet. I, I still get to be with her. Well, we look at relationships like that. I love to talk to my wife. I love to dig into her brain. I, I love to know everything about her. I'm still as excited to talk about her as the first time we talked. When we look at love, Song of Solomon 7 and verse 10, I am my beloved's and his desire is towards me. We're going to talk about desire here in just a moment. Would you say the same about how interested you are in the scriptures? Because you see, it has to do with your relationship with God. The scriptures are the way that God communicates to us. The scriptures in the context of 1 Corinthians 2, excuse me, trying not to sneeze here, 9 through 16, verse 16 says, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That context is we have the mind of Christ through the scriptures. You want to get to know the Lord's thinking. It's through the scriptures. How interested are you getting to know him? Now, if you look at that person in, in that dating scenario and, and, and that person says, you know what? Two hours is enough for me. I don't want to see any more than that. That's like a lot of places on the first day of the week, their, their assembly is two hours or shorter. And as soon as that can get over, people are cool with it. Preacher preached 15 minutes today. Great. So here's what you're saying to the Lord. 
I want to spend all eternity with you. Let's hurry up and get this date over with. Think about that. Now let's talk about desire. And we're going to be we're going to be talking about this and then and then in a Sunday podcast when we're talking about it again, 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, you know, we're studying 1 Peter on Sundays. 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2 says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. We have we have two babies here in the congregation in El Paso. And it's a reminder when that baby is hungry. That baby's going to let you know it. It's a great illustration for us here in El Paso because we get to hear it on the first day of the week. Every week, the baby's hungry. Sammy's hungry. Noah's hungry. They're going to let everybody in the room know it. Mama, it's time to eat. That word desire. We'll unpack the rest of 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2 in our, in, in, uh, in our studies in 1 Peter. The word desire that is there, epipotheo or something like that, Strong's number 1971, means to yearn, to dote upon. So, so you can see why I use the dating relationship there. That is intensely crave possession, lawfully or wrongfully. So the word could be used in both ways, good or bad. Earnestly desire, greatly long after, lust, lust. People tend to understand that word. I don't know why they always think of it in a sexual way, but you should lust after the word of God as a newborn babe. The word is translated in various ways through the scriptures in the King James Version. In Romans 1.11, I long to see you, that word long there, that I may impart in you some spiritual gift to the end you may establish. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 2, for in this we groan earnestly desiring, there is that Greek word, it's translated, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with the house which, with our house which is from heaven. And 2 Corinthians 9, 14, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, long after is how it's des- uh, there, as well as in Philippians 1 and verse 8, for God is my record how greatly I long after you and all the bowels of Jesus Christ longed after in Philippians 2.26, for he longed after y'all and was full of heaviness because you had heard that he had been sick, Epaphroditus contextually uh, caring about his brethren in Philippi, desiring greatly in 1 Thessalonians 3.6. Now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings for your faith and charity that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. 1 Thessalonians 3.6 there, desiring greatly, it's the same in 2 Timothy uh, 1.4, just flipping it. It says, greatly desiring, uh, greatly desiring to see thee, bring, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Or in James 4.5, do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? So there lusteth. So the, the, the question is, do you as a newborn babe long after the sincere milk of the word, earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word, greatly desire. Do you lust after the sincere milk of the word? So if you do, I want you to think about it. If you're hearing a scriptural podcast, if you're sitting in a Bible class and Bible class, you're, you're interacting, I hope. So you're involved in the study of the scriptures. 
You're listening to a sermon. Are you greatly desiring to hear more? Or are you sitting there going, is he done yet? Is he done yet? Is he done yet? Think about that. Think about the young man or the young lady and the courting of the relationship, working towards a marriage, looking at their watch 30 minutes into the date, and the other person says, hey, what are you doing? I just can't wait till our two hours is up. I mean, do you really think that's going to be a good marriage? I mean, do you, if for, for me, and I think most rational people, that date just ended. You know, had Katrina looked at me on our first date, I still remember that that day, cold November or cold October uh, day, Halloween, actually kind of scary, right? And and our first official date snowing, and I took her to a restaurant at the time. It was at the Springfield Inn. It was a very nice restaurant. If I took her there and she was just looking at her watch, uh, if I remember correctly, she was wearing a green dress. Um, <laughs> she's looking at her watch. And I'm like, everything okay? And she says, yeah, I'm just wondering when you're going to take me home. You know, I'm like, hey, waiter, check. Date's over. If I would have looked at her doing the same thing, I'm sure she'd have been like, then just take me home. We wouldn't have had a marriage. What do you think you have with God? What do you think you have with God? If you can't wait to stop learning his word. Here's another question. Not only desire, but the word love. Could you say that you love the word of God? I want you to consider some scriptures out of Psalm 119. Verse 48, Psalm 119, verse 97, Psalm 119, verse 113, and Psalm 119, 127. So all of it, Psalm 119, for the note takers out there, verse 48, 97, 113 and 127. Here they are. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. Verse 97. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. I'm going to come back to that point in a moment. 113. I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Verse 127. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Do you love the word of God? If you do, are you disappointed when it's time to end your studies? When the sermon's over? When the podcast ends? When the Bible class is over? Are you disappointed? Let me ask you this. Can you really say that you love the word of God? if you don't spend any time in the Word of God or thinking about the Word of God? I said, we'll come back to the word meditate. Psalm chapter 1, the first two verses, says, Blessed is that man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night meditating upon the Word of God. So not just reading and reading, but after you're done studying, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Uh, my wife and I, we get to go for a walks every once in a while when, when Trey's at home to keep an eye on Taylor. We'll go for a walk without fail. We talk about spiritual things. 
without fail. We don't have Bibles open. Both of us know the book very well. And we're talking about the Scriptures, applications of the Scriptures. We love those conversations. I love that time with her. I love the mutual desire for the Word of God that we share. 1 Timothy 4, written to an evangelist. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 is not to an evangelist. 1 Timothy 4, 15 is. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself holy to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Can you really say you love the Word of God when you close the book or the sermon's over or the podcast is over or the Bible class is over and you don't think about it again until the next Sunday? How about talking about His Word? Is it on your mind? One of my brethren told me not long ago that he gets himself in trouble because he can't help but talk about the Word of God and people don't want to hear it. In Deuteronomy chapter 11, God's people of old, verses 18 through 20, Therefore you shall lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house and upon thy gates. Think about those instructions. You know what? one of the reasons people don't study is they make it a chore. They don't see the value. They don't see the, You know, it's not just about, oh, I want to know what God wants me to do and not wants me to do. One of the points I brought up earlier, we have the mind of Christ. Don't you want to get to know your, your God, your Savior? your Lord. But there's other things that come from studying the Word of God too. For example, in Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Studying the Word of God brings about a peace, a peace that passes understanding. It's great peace. In Jeremiah 15, 16, Jeremiah says, thy words were found and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. When you look at all the chaos in the world huh, and the sadness and sorrow the world can bring about, the word of God can overturn that because you get to remember your relationship with him. And if you don't have one, you can learn how to. Then you can have that peace and that joy and that rejoicing. Jesus to his disciples. And John 15, 3 says, You are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. You become pure. You become clean through the word of God. And James 2, 21, or not James 2, 21, I'm sorry. James chapter 1 and verse 21. James 2, 21 is good too. You're talking in context about faith and works. But uh, my point in James chapter 1 and verse 21 the ultimate, wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The implanted word which is able to save your soul. The word of God saves you. Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to? You, you think of someone who puts their confidence in things like, for example, a firearm. Why, why do people go to gun ranges? They go to gun ranges because they trust that their firearm will protect them if under attack. Why does a martial artist practice his martial arts? Because he trusts that his ability to defend him or her ability to defend herself 
is going to save them in, in times of need. Why, why do people check uh, fire extinguishers? Why do we put batteries in our fire alarms? Why do we lock our doors? Why do we spend time checking these things? Because we trust that there is some power there, some ability there that these devices will save us. Well, do you have the greater care for your soul in the implanted word, which is able to save your soul? And how is it going to be engrafted, which means implanted, if you're not opening it up, if you're not digesting it? But, but Brian... The excuses I've heard over the years when I've taught lessons like this one is, but I've got to work, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And yes, it is right to work, to provide for your family, First Timothy 5 verse 8, to, to work, to put food on the table. If any man will not work, neither should he eat, Second Thessalonians 3.10. And, and, and people will sometimes talk to me as though, well, you're a preacher, you have time to study. Listen, I have not always been a preacher. I, when, when I was young in the faith, I was in high school. I worked on top of being in high school Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Went to work. Uh, I, I, I graduated high school, married, children, working full-time jobs. I understand what it is to be busy, to have a family, to have all these other things. Even as an evangelist, you don't think that I've got things that that I do besides open the Bible while well, you get paid to open the Bible. Yeah, yeah, I do. You think if I had to work a secular job, my love for the Word of God would change? No. My love for the Word of God has been there before I started preaching the gospel. My desire to study there before I began uh, preaching the gospel before that was my quote-unquote vocation. I get it, folks. I know what it's like to be busy. I had three children. When they were young, I wasn't preaching the gospel. I'll say, now, when Trey was born, I was a gospel preacher, but Taylor and Trevor, you know, had them before I started preaching the gospel. I know what it is to be busy, to have all kinds of things going on in life, including work. Well, let me ask you this. For those of you that make all those excuses, what about your hobbies? Do you still do have time for those? I mean, you know, I haven't met the person yet who spends all their waking hours parenting and working and then sleeping. There's always other things that they're able to do. They're able to work in their workout time, their fishing time, their hunting time, their movie time, their TV show time, uh, their time to read the novel that they're interested in, even though you've got access to the greatest book on earth, you'd rather pick up the love story rather than that. All these other things. And I'm not saying you can't do those things, but if you say you don't have time for the word of God, but you have time for those other things, it's time to let go of those other things and make that your time you spend in the word of God. You know, think about it, folks. The excuses are pretty pitiful most often. And I know I, I, I have been in apostasy in my past as well, and I know those excuses and I use them. So I want you to think about something. Is it lawful for a person to use hospitality? Yes. Romans 12, 13, 1 Peter 4, verse 9, using hospitality is a work of Christians. In Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, that came to pass as they went, Jesus and his disciples, that is. He entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him in her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet 
and heard his word. You hear that? Martha sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was covered about much serving. And came unto him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. So Martha's position is, Mary needs to get over here and help me. Now, hey, hospitality is a work. That's expected of God's people. Jesus and his disciples, they needed to eat. Martha's doing a good thing. Notice Jesus' answer. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Mm, Martha, Martha. Would that be what Jesus says to you? Do you have your plate full of all the worldly anxieties to the neglect of your spiritual growth? Focusing on the anxieties of life is going to affect the impact the Word of God has on you. And the parable of the sower in Mark 4, 18 and 19, these are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the Word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the Word, and it becometh unfruitful. The more busier you get in the world, the more unlikely the Word of God is going to have a positive impact on you. That's just Bible fact. Setting your mind on things that you cannot control is vanity. In Psalm 127 too, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. And again, you might say, well, Brian, but but I've got to pay bills. I've got all that stuff too. I'm right now about to enter in some repairs on my house. For those of you that have known me for years, you know that that seems to be a a pretty steady uh, theme in, 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 in Katrina and I's life. We got things to fix around the house. Most of us understand what that's like. And you know what? That brings anxieties. I've got to empty the entire upstairs of our house. Everything, all the closets, everything have to be empty because we have repairs of the subfloor of our upstairs that need to be done. That's a lot of work. On top of that, I've got my work as an evangelist to do and my own personal Bible studies. And you know what? I could let that soak up, but then what's going to happen? Then the word of God would be no effect unto me. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to put it where it belongs. I'm going to prioritize what is most important first and get to those things at the other end. Your soul has to be your priority. In Mark 8, 34 through 37, when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's name shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Hey, what's your price? What's your price? What will cause you to make your soul your third priority, your second priority? What, what will cause that to happen? The world's offering it to you. You got to make the right choice. You got to be like Mary, chose that good part. Like the psalmist in Psalm 119, 30. You know, we've, we've been visiting Psalm 119 for a reason. It's the word of God chapter of, of the book of Psalms, of the Bible in essence. 
Psalmist says in Psalm 119.30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before. What have you chosen? What have you chosen? I've got a feedback question for you. I'm constantly questioning what way I can help as many people as possible and either A, getting to know the Lord and obey Him initially, or B, for those that are Christians that I can influence and help, how can I help you be edified, comforted, strengthened, corrected, and to get to heaven? This podcast is a way that I'm trying to do that. Is there something that would be more beneficial to you than this podcast? I ask that. I, I get statistics on the podcast, and I don't know who all is listening. I, I, can, I can see how many people listen through Podbean, uh, but this podcast is on so many platforms. Um, I could see on YouTube, but you know what? The clicks on YouTube, it's not very profitable to me. When you look into the deeper details of YouTube, um, let's say, for example, there's 25 uh, listeners on YouTube. Some of them only are listening for two, three, four minutes. So the podcast isn't benefiting that person. They're just curious or Maybe it started to play. Maybe YouTube queued it up for some reason. You know, YouTube does weird things in their algorithms or however that may work. And then they're like, what's this garbage? I'm getting off of this. What would be more beneficial to you? One of the things I've thought about, and here's, here's where I need some feedback. I've thought about rather than doing a podcast, I've thought about doing a Friday night Zoom class every week where anybody who would want to be part of that could join and we could study topics of the Bible together. And, and you could be in there with, with some of the brethren here that might want to participate. And you could, you could, you could speak and, 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 and be part of that discussion or not. I've thought about doing that. I've thought about recording it and making it available for people that could only be there on occasion. You know, I, I know among my brethren here that uh, because of people's work schedules, it's sometimes very difficult uh, to get everybody together on days outside of the first day of the week. Um, most of my brethren here have made, their, made the first day of the week a day of availability to them. We have a, a few who, who have to work around work schedules, but the majority of them are available then. But then some of those people have done everything that they can to be off on the first day of the week so that uh, it's made it very difficult for them to be available other days of the week. And we have scheduling conflicts very often. Well, what about you? Uh, you know, how, how would that benefit you? Uh, I know among many of my brethren here in El Paso, they love our Bible class discussions so much that we have a discussion on 1 John uh, that's 90 minutes long every first day of the week. And all of the saints are part of that. And then many of the brethren choose to stay after the congregation assembles and we study the book of Luke together. What about you? What what would benefit you? What what if what if in December uh, I started a, a Zoom class and it was on Friday nights, uh, say nine o'clock Eastern time um, uh, or eight thirty Eastern time, and we had like an hour study? Now I'm asking, would you commit to that or or something like that, or is the podcast better for you? Uh, and and just remembering, I, I don't know how Zoom works very well, but I think you can record it, and and I could make it available on my website. Or, or on YouTube for people that might not be able to attend every class. But, but I'd want to know some people that commit. I'd get your email address 
um, and 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 I would send you a link to the Zoom class, and you could you know join through your phone or computer or tablet or whatever the case may be, and you could participate. You could make comments, ask questions. Little feedback question there. Let me know what what you think about that, and you know weigh some of the results. That you know, I don't know who would like it, who would benefit from it, who would hate it, who would say, ah, I don't have time for that. Uh, how many people would rather benefit from a podcast? Just let me know. Let me know your thoughts. Either call me up, text me, send me an email. Uh, let, let me know your thoughts on that. And, and that way, uh, if we did something like that, you know, people that, that I know that are in different states could participate and could get to know some brethren from different places. And, and, and hey, I'm not saying it's just for my brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're an atheist out there and you'd like to sit through a Bible class, you, you could participate too and ask questions and make comments. Uh, let me know about that. Now, to come back to our subject right now, making the right choice, like Mary. You know, we had a podcast on August 22nd based on Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Are you diligently seeking him? Go back and listen to that podcast. Are you diligently seeking? Would you be able to talk like this psalmist in Psalm 73, 25 through 28, where he says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For, lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I've put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. That's before they had knowledge about Jesus Christ. Remember in our first Peter study, first Peter 1, 10 through 12, it's a mystery to them. Hey, this psalmist, his desire is God. What about yours? I often wonder why people aren't interested in the word of God. One, one of the questions I have is, is it, is it that people don't really want to be in heaven? They just don't want to be in hell. In fact, we're going to have that as our next podcast next Tuesday. We're going we're to ask that question. Do you want to be in heaven or are you just trying to avoid hell? You know, if, if you're just trying to avoid hell, you don't necessarily want to get to know the Lord. It, it's, it's like the person that's afraid to spend the rest of their life single, so they marry somebody just not to be single. They don't really love their spouse. It's just, it was the better choice than the other. They settled. Are you settling on God? Well, if you are, you're not going to be interested in the Bible. You're just going to want to know, what's the minimum I have to do to avoid hell. I've known people that have obeyed the gospel initially, and, and I've known them in every congregation I've ever worked with, that their interest level is just, I don't want to go to hell. And therefore, their Bible stays shut Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it only opens on Sunday because they have to. Come on, people. How interested are you in knowing the scriptures? Which really is how interested are you in knowing the Lord? I hope you will honestly examine yourself 
and you will think on these things. And, and I understand the audience of this podcast. Some of you are so interested in, in knowing the Lord that you're listening to this podcast and that you're trusting that I'm going to provide you with plenty of scriptures. But I've got to ask this to even you. Beyond this podcast, how interested are you in the Word of God? I hope you'll truly evaluate that question and that you will show the Lord your God who knows you internally and externally, that you want to know Him intimately and not just for as little time as possible. Don't just punch a time clock. Hope this has been a thought-provoking, challenging study for you. If I can help you, my phone number is 915-525-5794, whether it's on this topic or others. You can email me. You can go to the website, wordsoftruth.net, and contact me through there. I thank you so much for listening. I hope that you will tune back in if all goes according to plan and the next podcast comes out on Sunday. Until then, I will tell you goodbye and thank you.